Welcome to the Plan Vision Podcast, where we share simple, straightforward investment and planning ideas for normal people. The description in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Do not construe this as personal tax, financial, or legal advice for your situation. Mark Sorrell back with the Plan Vision Podcast. Andrew Hallam again to discuss another question that I get all the time. And I get this question even without regard to, or I was getting this before this whole economic event and, and worldwide event that we're going through right now with COVID. And I, so I just wanted to get a few of Andrew's comments about this. And it's, it, I, I suppose I would characterize this as how to build a portfolio. How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing really well, thanks, Mark. All right, so a question I get a lot from my clients um, is how to build a portfolio, the best way to do it. And so I'm going to run by a few, I guess, questions, and maybe you can answer these for me as we're going, going as, we're, uh, as, I, as I go over these with you. First of all, is it possible to just build a portfolio with two or even one fund? Can it really be that simple? Well, absolutely. Yeah, we know that to be true. I mean, the, the ultimate in simplicity is probably Vanguard's target retirement funds, and the UK life strategy yes. funds. Vanguard has ETFs now in Canada that are all in one portfolios. Those are spectacular because you have a globally diversified portfolio in one product whereby the fund company ensures that the target allocation maintains that goal allocation year to year to year. You can just simply continue to add money. And if you can't qualify for that, you can buy a literally two funds, something like a global stock market index and a bond market index, global bond market index. Bob's your uncle. You're done. The rest of your life, you just keep adding money. Rebalance when needed if the allocation gets out of whack. Yeah, I think those things are, they're incredibly beautiful investment developments for people. Just wonderfully diversified, incredibly low cost, hands off. You can get on with the rest of your life and just let the, let the ETF do its work. Now, but, and I get this question so often, should investors include other assets, maybe a little gold, REITs, commodities, maybe a small cap fund? Do they play a role in portfolios for some investors? Well, if you look at, at back tests on this, and it all depends on what period you're actually back testing, but on aggregate, when we look at back tests, having these extra components will not enhance your performance. Okay, so when we look at that from the allocation percentage, okay, there'll be periods where it might a little bit, then periods where having you know, these extra components don't end up enhancing performance. But when we're looking really long-term, no, there's really nothing in it. It's far better to keep things really simple. But let's say even if there were, let's say that there was a, a, a 10 basis point advantage compounded annually, so an extra 0.1% per year. All you've done is you've actually introduced several moving parts. And the more moving parts you have, it isn't necessarily what the best portfolio will be for you. What's so much important is how will you perform with a given portfolio? And we know studies are showing that the more moving parts you have, the more mm -hmm. likely you are going to fall for elements of speculation and the more of a hassle it is just maintaining that portfolio. Even if you are an emotional machine, just the hassle of having five or six or seven different funds, it, it isn't worth it. It isn't worth it. So I try to keep 
things as simple as possible with my portfolio. And that's what I advocate for other people to do because it's, it's about how other people are going to be perform as investors. So behaviorally, when we look at the studies, simplicity wins. Complication doesn't. Sure. Have you ever bought an individual stock? Yeah. I started out buying mutual funds, actively managed, and then I ended up with a blend of individual stocks and index funds. And so by 2011, I had about 50-50 individual shares and, uh, and a, an indexed fund component, about 50-50. And by 2011, I was writing Millionaire Teacher, doing loads of research on basically advocating an index fund portfolio. And the more I learned, mm -hmm. the more I realized that the odds of me picking individual shares and coming ahead of my diversified portfolio of indexes over my lifetime, not talking about this year or next year, or I'm talking about if I want to maximize, let's talk it. Let's talk, let's talk about maximizing greed. If I want to maximize my potential to make the most money, the odds were against th that notion if I were picking individual shares. So around 2011, uh, just after my book was published, I sold actually all of my individual stocks and I pulled everything into a portfolio of indexes. And I, I did well with the individual stocks, but I, I always look back at certain examples that I saw during my research. I'd see a guy like Bill Miller, who beat the yeah. S&P 500 15 years in a row with the Leg Mason Value Trust. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, Andrew, are you smarter than Bill Miller? <laughs> and, and the question, the answer to that, of course, was no. His IQ would run circles around mine. And despite having beat the S&P 500 15 years in a row, the 16th year, he didn't. And he gave back the entire advantage that he had over the S&P 500 in about a two year period. And so when I asked that question, it was really humbling. Am I as smart as Bill Miller? And he's just one of many. Um, mm. Look at Ray Dalio's hedge fund. Uh, most of your clients have beaten, they may not know this, but your clients have beaten the, the returns of, of the most famous hedge fund in the world. I've, I've beaten Ray Dalio's hedge fund yeah. for about a dozen years. This is the most famous hedge fund in the world because this guy had performed brilliantly, brilliantly over a period of time, but then of course reverted to the mean mm -hmm. the fund is doing, I would say doing really, really poorly. Um, and so it's far, far better just statistically to stick to that portfolio of low cost index funds. But I'm going to ask you now, have you, what about you pick individual shares? No, I've never owned a stock in my life. Um, I went to the Vanguard target date fund. Um, it was around 2009 and um, it was just liberating to do that. Just to not have to think about it anymore. I don't, I don't, I pay no attention essentially. Look, I know what's going on in the markets, right? We, we all are aware of that. How mine is doing. I don't, I just accept the markets, what they're going to deliver. I don't feel that I have to outperform it. Um, mm -hmm. Now maybe I am, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. I might be overly cynical about the financial services industry, but now that I think about that statement, I'm probably not cynical enough about <laughs> successful marketing that they do about products. Um, yeah. I couldn't be happier about, about my, my, um, my investment strategy. And um, I, the, I've done quite a bit of blogging over the years, even though I got burned out on stopped on, but the blog that I enjoyed writing the most was about this fictional character. And it's this person at the age of 25 sign it's here in the States, right? They sign up for their 401k. Well, actually they didn't even sign up for their 401k. They default 
into their company's 401k plan, which puts them in a target date fund, and it has auto increase. So they increase their contribution from 5% a year to like 20% a year. They never open up their statements. They never pay attention to anything. And they look at their balance when they're 65. In my view, that is probably the world's best investor. It's that person right there. They oh. never bought anything. They didn't even know they were buying anything. Absolutely. I would say the, um, if you had no exposure to the investment news, like let's say investment news didn't exist. It doesn't exist. None of those business news stations, <laughs> no financial magazine exists. And, and you weren't even allowed to see the value statement on your investment portfolio. Maybe you could see it once every decade. I am, I am fully convinced that 100% of even your investors would perform better not ever seeing their statements oh, yeah. Yeah. more than once every 10 years and getting no advice from the media. I am 100% convinced of this. You know when you have a theory and, and it hasn't been proven, but you are just so darn convinced that it holds water? That's the one for me. <laughs> one of the things I say to my clients, uh, particularly as I'm finishing up doing plans, for a lot of my clients that have successful plans, whether it's a lot of money or a little bit of money, is just kind of this final comment that the best thing that they need to do is just stay away from financial advisors. <laughs> that's, that's the best part of their plan. So, hey, Andrew, thanks a lot for coming on here again and just reinforcing the importance of simplicity, even in a difficult time like today. Yeah, it's more important than ever today, isn't it? Yep, sure is. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening to the Plan Vision Podcast. Let us know if you have any questions or comments on the topics covered.